Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Welcome to the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. At the recommendation of Michigan business and civic leader who has been promoting educational programs on the Holocaust throughout the United States for high schools and colleges, we have with us today Boaz Ganor, professor, founder, and executive director of the International Institute for Counterterrorism with the Ronald Lauder Chair for Counterterrorism and Dean of the Lauder School of Government. And Ronald Lauder was a guest on this program 10 years ago. They're involved with government, diplomacy, strategy, and interdisciplinary center in Israel. Professor Boaz Ganor is the Dean and the Ronald Lauder Chair for Counterterrorism as well as the founder and executive director of the International Institute for Counterterrorism at the Interdisciplinary Center. Professor Ganor serves as the founding president of the International Academic Counterterrorism Community, an international association of academic institutions, experts, and researchers in fields related to the study of terrorism and counterterrorism. Now, Mr. Beznos said I had to get uh, Professor Boaz Ganor on the program. He said he is the top international expert on terrorism, and we're happy to penetrate 17 states and half of Canada with this program. First of all, before we discuss how we're going to tackle and destroy terrorism, we have to define what terrorism is. Could you please do that for us, Professor Boaz Ganor? Brian, thank you, first of all, for uh, having me uh, at your program. Um, you know, you, you tackled me with the uh, most difficult uh, question uh, that has to do with terrorism altogether. You know, I'm, I'm uh, researching and learning about this phenomenon of terrorism for the last 35 years. And uh, in this long period of time, I was trying to persuade many decision makers around the world many uh, um, scholars and practitioners uh, in the need uh, to uh, have one objective definition uh, and agree on one objective definition for the term terrorism. Uh, but most of the people around the world, because it's convenient for them, uh, disagree. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you heard already the, the, the saying, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, um, mm -hmm. trying, to, uh, trying to imply that... Uh, uh, this is a subjective term. Anybody who's fighting against me is my enemy and uh, he's therefore a terrorist. Anybody who's using the same measures <clears throat> against my enemy uh, is a freedom fighter. And this is, of course, nonsense. Uh, because terrorism is not a goal. Uh, freedom fighting is, is a certain goal that you're trying to achieve. But terrorism is a strategy. It's an illegitimate strategy, a certain type of warfare in which the terrorists deliberately attack civilians in order to achieve political ends. And it's about time, in my view, that the international community uh, would agree at least on one thing, that there is no 
political end, uh, as justified and as legitimate as one might think, that can justify and legitimate deliberate use of violence aimed against civilians, i.e. terrorism. This is the definition that I think needs to be adopted. Terrorism is the deliberate use of violence aimed against civilians in order to achieve political ends, and therefore it's an illegitimate strategy. Now, you have defined it, uh, Professor Ganor, uh, what terrorism is. Now, you call this an art of counterterrorism. Uh, maybe you could say that was done uh, when we killed bin Laden in the middle of the night uh, going to his compound. That may be seen as counterterrorism or what the Israelis have done, which is a very precise art that when there is an attack upon Israel, it's an immediate retaliation, not a year or five years later, but it's a quick and immediate retaliation. So let's talk about what you call the art of counterterrorism and why is it an art, Professor Boaz Ganor? Uh, thank you for asking this question, Brian. Um, I, I do insist that counterterrorism is a certain type of an art, if you wish. It's the art of finding the right balances between contradicting and contradicting alternatives between. Uh, different dilemmas and challenges that need to be balanced. Uh, to name a few, um, <clears throat> you know, if you would ask me if I can summarize everything I learned about terrorism for the last uh, 35 years or so into one sentence, uh, I would say, yes, I can do it. The, the sentence would uh, refer to what I call the equation of terrorism. Uh, the equation of terrorism is a simple mathematical formula that has two factors, motivation and operational capability. Um, when a certain group of people has motivation to conduct terrorist attacks and has operational capability that allows them to materialize this motivation, then a terrorist attack would occur or a terrorist campaign would occur. From the formula of terrorism, we can therefore conclude what is the formula of counterterrorism. And the formula of counterterrorism is practically the same formula. In order to be effective in counterterrorism, one needs to find a way to lower down the incentives, to lower down the motivation to give birth to terrorism, and at the same time to lower down and dis uh, demolish the operational capability of the terrorists. When I say lower down the operational capability of the terrorists, what does this mean? There is no other way but fighting them, uh, killing them if necessary, arresting them, uh, confiscating their funds uh, 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 to... Uh, uh, stop their incitements, uh, um, and to uh, outlaw their organization. Uh, but once you do all of that, like it or not, you raise their motivation to retaliate. This is uh, creating what we call in the scholarly community the boomerang effect in counterterrorism. You fight them, but you raise their motivation to retaliate against you. How do you find the balance between those two factors? That's practically the art uh, of counterterrorism. And you have rightly noted that Israel, maybe unfortunately, uh, has gathered a lot of experience in countering terrorism and all those fears of activity. And um, I would say, in reference to your question, why Israel is uh, uh, um, retaliating uh, um, in, in a rapid manner after a terrorist attack occurs, I would say it's even, it's even uh, uh, more than that. Israel is not necessarily waiting for the attack to occur and then rapidly to retaliate against it. 
the whole idea of the targeted killing uh, uh, strategy that Israel is using against the leaders of terrorist organizations is prevention strategy. It's to conduct those operations in order to prevent the terrorist attacks before they occur and not necessarily just retaliate after they happened. Very good. Our guest today is an international expert on terrorism and counterterrorism, Professor Boaz Ganor, recommended by Michigan civic and educational leader Harold Beznos with Bestec Companies. And throughout the United States, he's been praising Professor Boaz Ganor to U.S. Senators Hatch, Young, and Scott as the top expert against terrorism. Our guest today, Boaz Ganor on the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. If you're listening in Montreal, Canada, Buffalo, New York, or northern Florida, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio. 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand, so we'd like to hear from you. I'd like to mention uh, thanks for those who've called regarding our recent guest, Senator Pat Galvin, author B. Kazar, author of 20 books, and circumnavigator of the world, Eric Reichardt, who traveled for over a decade around the world on his 55-foot sailboat. I'd like to mention a little bit more information about Professor Boaz Ganor, founder and executive director, International Institute for Counterterrorism, Ronald Lauder Chair for Counterterrorism and Dean of the Lauder School of Government in Israel. Professor Ganor previously held positions at Stanford University University of California at Berkeley, Hoover Institution, Corret Distinguished Visiting Fellow, the Monterey Institute of International Studies, MIPT, the National Memorial for the Prevention of Terrorism, Hebrew University, Bar-Alan University. He was also a member of the International Advisory Team of the Manhattan Institute, CTCT, to the New York Police Department. Our guest today at the recommendation of Harold Besnos, Professor Boaz Ganor of Israel. Now, we have a problem with lone wolves attacks throughout the United States, all over the world. We've seen this in France when a man uh, took a big truck and rammed down and killed dozens of people. We saw this recently in Germany where one individual is taking upon himself or herself to kill numerous uh, people in as quickly and deadly a form as possible. And uh, this is of great concern to intelligence. It's very difficult to apprehend these people because it may be one or two people doing it as a surprise attack. Recently, uh, leaders of U.S. intelligence have been talking again about uh, the possibility of people using our aircraft as weapons once again as in 9-11. Tell us about what you see as lone wolves attacks and how to fight these crazy people. Well, thank you for asking, uh, Brian. Uh, you know, when we are talking about this phenomenon, the growing phenomenon, unfortunately, of lone wolves attacks, um, we should compare that to uh, 
if we can define it as uh, traditional terrorism or what I call organized terrorism. Terrorist attacks through the years used to be organized by terrorist organizations. You know, the terrorist organization uh, initiate the attack, plan the attack, prepare the attack, recruit the attackers, and then send them to the mission uh, and help them to conduct the attack. Uh, but lone wolf attacks are not operationally being controlled uh, or supported by a terrorist organization. They are in many cases being inspired by a terrorist organization. Many of those lone wolves that recently attacked in Europe and even the United States and other places all over the world are inspired either by Al-Qaeda or mainly by ISIS today. Um, so this is an inspiration attack. Now, when I compare the lone wolf attack to the organized terrorist attack, I have good news and bad news in reference to the lone wolf. The good news, in, in a way, is that lone wolf's attacks usually has less casualties or, uh, or conduct less casualties than organized attacks. I, I, of course, do not want to underestimate the suffering of any victim of terrorism uh, worldwide. But when you are talking about the lone wolf, how many people... Uh, can he hurt? Can he kill and injure? Uh, usually, few people altogether. Mm-hmm. There are, of course, uh, there are of course few uh, exceptions, like the Nice attack, that uh, one lone attacker succeeded to kill uh, more than seventy uh, people altogether. But the the majority of those lone lone wolves are very limited in the consequences. The bad news is that unlike organized terrorism. We used to believe, and I'm using the past terms, and I will explain that why in a minute, we used to believe that intelligence is uh, uh, helpless and, and, and useless in, uh, in prevention of lone wolf attacks because intelligence rely on the fact that you have few people that share the same secret, and they have a conversation that discuss uh, uh, this matter between themselves, and then the intelligence can intercept that by having an intelligence agent, human, or, or listening uh, and wiretapping uh, the conversation. In a lone wolf attack, there is no conversation because the initiation of the attack, the planning, the preparation, and the execution all start and end with the sick mind of one person, and therefore traditional intelligence cannot deal with this uh, uh, challenge. I'm using the past terms because uh, based on the research that we have conducted at the International Institute for Counterterrorism in Israel, my institute, the ICT, we have found that in more than 50% of the recent lone wolf attacks worldwide, there was a different type of intelligence uh, that was given just before the attack. And this is OSINT, Open Sources Intelligence. Many of those terrorists actually gave an early warning about their plans and intentions to conduct the attack by using social networks, using Facebook walls uh, and other social networks like uh, uh, Telegram uh, and, uh, and so on and so forth. This is good news in a way because it can give some ideas about male intentions of, uh, of those terrorists before they conduct the attack. Now, one thing that is very foreign to our culture in the United States and Canada, we're broadcasting this program with the assistance of Kevin Carr, Director of Production. And by the way, I'd like to thank him because he had to get the technicians 
a few weeks ago to test this call to make sure it worked because uh, we wanted to make sure it was perfect contacting you in Israel. So we thank Mr. Mm -hmm. Carr and his staff uh, for their technical assistance. I want to talk about something very foreign to our culture, and that's suicide attacks. It reminds me of the kamikaze pilots in World War II or these crazy people who apprehended our aircraft uh, with the destruction of the World Trade Center, suicide attacks, where these people know they're going to die. They have no morality. They want to kill as many people, uh, dozens, hundreds, or thousands of people, and then knowing that they are going to die how can you talk any sense into these crazy people who want to conduct suicide attacks? Brian, I would like to surprise you maybe and, and definitely mm -hmm. your listeners by arguing the terrorists in general and suicide, attacks, uh, suicide attackers among them are rational actors and not lunatics. What do I mean by that? What is the rational decision-making process? The rational decision-making process is a process in which one calculates different uh, costs and benefits of different alternatives, and he's choosing the alternative which he believes is more beneficial than costly. So what I'm arguing here that rationality is a subjective term. What I would regard as a rational behavior, uh, you might regard it as a non-rational behavior. What both of us would agree that this is a rational behavior, Al-Qaeda activists would see differently. So you remember we started our discussion today about the art of counterterrorism. One of the, the most important pillars of the art of counterterrorism is the need to understand the rationality of the enemy. It's the need to understand the cost-benefit analysis of the terrorists, of the suicide attackers. And once you learn that, and once you understand their calculus of cost and benefits, you find out that by their weird and sick mind, they have this calculus, which is, by the way, being inspired and brainwashed by incitement, ongoing incitement of terrorist organizations, of uh, radical Islamist uh, uh, pundits that brainwash their mind to believe that committing a suicide attack is a beneficial uh, uh, process. It's a beneficial alternative for them because they are going to gain so many rewards in heaven and their families will gain rewards here in this world and so on and so forth. So if you believe in those ideas, then it becomes a rational behavior to conduct this suicide attack. By the way, by arguing that, I would say that this is good news. Why? Because if I'm right and there is some kind of a calculus of cost benefits, uh, that they are conducting. And there is some kind of rationality that they are following. Once you would understand this rationality, you would have the tool, you would have the uh, measures and the leverages that you can use in order maybe to change the cost-benefit analysis and influence their behavior. Well, you have a tough job fighting terrorism. Our guest today, internationally famous Professor Boaz Ganor, founder and executive director for the International Institute for Counterterrorism, Ronald Lauder, chair for counterterrorism and dean of the Lauder School of Government, Diplomacy, and Strategy Interdisciplinary Center in Israel. Our guest today at the recommendation of Harold Besnos, prominent Michigan business, civic, and educational leader. 
We have a plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And if our listeners are listening in Manhattan, South Buffalo, or Toronto, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. And we always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. Some more information of Professor Boaz Ganor of Israel. He's a member of the International Advisory Council of the International Center for Political Violence and Terrorism Research at the Institute of Defense and Strategic Studies, Nanyang Technological University, the Republic of Singapore. He's also co-founder of the International Center for the Study of Radicalization and Political Violence, a partnership between the University of Pennsylvania and the United States. Let's talk about the threat to Europe. They, the media sort of belittled President Trump's claims that there were problems in Sweden. A few weeks later, there was terrorism in Sweden. We've seen it in France on numerous occasions. We've seen it in Germany. We've seen it in England. Let's talk about the terrible terrorism threats in Europe, Professor Boaz Ganor. Yes, Brian. You know, we, we were just speaking about the lone wolf phenomenon. And um, unfortunately, what we saw and we're still seeing is a growing threat of lone wolf attacks uh, in Europe uh, aside the organized terrorist attacks uh, uh, that Europe has suffered recently. The organized attacks, uh, to mention a few, was the Bataclan attack in Paris, uh, the attack in Zaventam Airport in Brussels, the attack in Istanbul uh, um, Airport. Uh, but many, many lone wolf attacks we saw in Nice, in Berlin, in London recently, and so on and so forth. Um, one common denominator of those lone wolf attacks is that many of them, if not most of them, are being conducted not necessarily by the first-generation uh, Muslim immigrants, but by the second-generation Muslim immigrants uh, that immigrated to, uh, uh, to, United, to, uh, to Europe. Those uh, um, second-generation Muslim immigrants are being inspired by ISIS, being inspired by al-Qaeda, being exposed to ongoing propaganda and incitement uh, uh, via the Internet, uh, via uh, social networks, and one day... Uh, they decide to commit those terrorist attacks. And in order to do that, they read the guidelines how to conduct those attacks. You know, we saw this running down uh, recent attacks uh, in London, in Berlin, in Nice. Um, people don't know, but a few weeks uh, before that, ISIS has actually uh, published a, a very detailed gu a guideline how to... Um, uh, uh, how to uh, rob and, and to take uh, um, um, trucks, uh, which type of trucks uh, should be used for that purpose, and how to drive it uh, through uh, a crowd in order to uh, commit the maximum 
number of casualties and, and damage. Uh, and you see those lone wolf attackers following that. One interesting uh, um, piece of information that I learned recently, uh, and, and it needed to be noted because I don't think that uh, many people around the world uh, understand that. We know that those lone uh, wolf attackers are all uh, um, being bad seeds uh, uh, that uh, grew in the uh, in, in the field of uh, Islamist jihadist uh, uh, radical education. Uh, I do not think that this reflects uh, uh, Islam as a religion altogether, but it definitely reflects uh, a very uh, radical element within Islam. One of the main problems is that many of uh, those radicals that have been radicalized and uh, some of the recent attack, attacks have been conducted by uh, converts, uh, by um, Christians that actually converted to Islam yeah. and then became uh, most radical and ready to commit those terrorist attacks. Uh, the attack in London uh, recently was an attack like that. There was another attack, by the way, in the United States in uh, 2013, uh, um, in Brooklyn by uh, uh, Afro-American that converted to Islam, uh, Dale Thompson, that uh, actually took an axe and, uh, mm. and used it against, uh, against NYPD officers. Terrible. Now, one thing that uh, President Trump campaigned on was extreme vetting to keep out uh, radical terrorists from the United States to check them out, to make sure they can't get in. Uh, we have uh, a minute left on the Rusk Report. Let's talk about this type of uh, immigration program that President Trump is advocating. We know that uh, um, immigrants is, uh, are very fragile for this uh, propaganda. Uh, thank God United States doesn't suffer a lot from that uh, phenomenon compared to, uh, to Europe. Um, as I said before, the problem is not necessarily just with the first-generation uh, uh, Muslim immigrants. It, uh, in many cases, comes with the second generation because there, many of those in the first generation feel very lucky and fortunate uh, to be granted the citizenship of this or the other European country. But the second generation, uh, they're b being born with this right to be the citizen of that state, and they are living still in enclave, cultural enclaves, uh, which doesn't let them uh, be integrated uh, in the society, uh, and therefore they become very frustrated. This frustration is being misused and, uh, and aimed uh, for radicalism and for violent terrorism, in Europe altogether. I'm sorry we um, have to bring the program to a close. Professor Boaz Ghanner of Israel, founder and executive director for the International Institute for Counterterrorism, Ronald Lauder, chair for counterterrorism in Israel. We've learned a great deal about this terrorist threat, the United States and Europe. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, director of production for the past 15 years, his technical staff, and Tim Wenger for approving this program to Israel on Terrorism and Counterterrorism. Thank you for enlightening us, Professor Boaz Ganor. Have a great week. Thank you for having me.
Thank you, Brian. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.